People often assume pastors like myself fully understand the Bible. Trust me, that's not the case. Remember, as St. Anselm said way back in the 11th century, that we are a people of faith seeking understanding. And it's readings like this one from our lectionary this morning that remind me of this fact. So I appreciate you bearing with me as I try to wrestle with these challenging words from Jesus to his disciples uh, and to wrestle with them alongside you this morning. In chapter 10 of Matthew, Jesus is preparing his disciples to go out and minister in his name. Scholars wrestle with what to make of these teachings as at times they seem to jump from one thing to another. Uh, they jump topics. And the other thing is that this commissioning speech ironically doesn't actually lead to the disciples going out to minister, at least not yet until the end of the gospel. But I think there are some wonderful things to glean from these words, some challenging things to glean from these words. This gospel has a word to speak to us in this uncertain, unprecedented time we find ourselves in today. Jesus has already warned them that they will be persecuted and that proclaiming the gospel in word and, and deed will mean trouble ahead with authorities. But even with family, brother against brother, father against son. Now, at first glance, this text seems to be a funny one to hear on Father's Day as Jesus says the puzzling words, for I've come to set a man against his father. But, you know, I realize that there's actually a lot of great stuff here about how God is like a loving parent here, that Jesus calls Abba, Father, throughout the gospel. Matthew's gospel uses the word Father more than any, other, uh, any of the four gospels, or any book in the New Testament, for that matter. The image of God as a loving parent is crucial for Matthew's Jesus. In this chapter contains at least 10 instances of the word, more than any other chapter in the gospel, more than any other chapter in the gospel that just happens to have the most instances of father in the New Testament. So yeah, you could say it's a pretty fathery text. And here Jesus is further building on this illustration of who God is and that God is like a loving parent to us. It's in exploring this image that I was able to make some sense of our passage this morning. As I said, these are words of commissioning from Jesus for his disciples to go out and minister in his name. He's just warned of persecution and conflict, and now we come to our selected verses this morning. He begins with one more warning. Whatever fate meets a teacher will also meet that teacher's students or disciples. But then we come into the heart of the message that's rooted in this phrase that's repeated three times throughout. It's a familiar one. It's one you've heard me preach on a number of times before. Do not fear. Have no fear of those who persecute you, of those who can kill the body but not the soul. Why? Because God the Father, the loving parent, cares for you, counts the number of hairs on your head. This God even cares for the sparrow and all creatures. 
Here we get an image of a God who intimately knows and cares for every creature and every facet of creation. It is this parental image of God that Jesus employs to ease his disciples' inevitable fear as they go out to minister in his name. They go out to share the gospel, to live it. In this time of pandemic, unrest, and critical conversations about racial inequality and violence, as we celebrate Father's Day as a nation, it seems to me that this is a very fitting image of God for us to reflect on together. This image of God as a loving parent who loves and cares for us reminds us of who God is, but also who we are as children of this God. In this time of such uncertainty and fear, we are reminded yet again that God is present, active, and at work in redeeming the brokenness of this world through Christ. This is the good news that Jesus is preparing his disciples then and us as his church now to go out and, as Matthew says, proclaim from the rooftops without being held captive by fear. Jesus' teaching from uh, here at verse 34 seems to jump a bit. As he says the challenging words that he hasn't come to bring peace but a sword. Reminding the disciples of the inevitable division this will cause between people. And as I said earlier, even between family members. Here he challenges all who would call themselves his disciples to radically reprioritize their world and their relationships, so that our faith in Christ takes first place. A number of years back, when I was in middle school, I remember a baseball coach I had. And I had this coach for several seasons. Each season, he would begin the first practice with a pep talk to us about priorities. He'd tell us always to put our faith first, then our family, then schoolwork, and then finally, baseball. Now, he did this to emphasize the importance of baseball for us, but also to show that faith, family, and schoolwork come before baseball. Jesus here challenges his disciples and us to ask ourselves what other priorities might get in the way of us being able to follow him. And I'm guessing if we're honest with ourselves, we'd all find a couple of, of such things. This radical reprioritization comes to its pinnacle with the well-known words of take up your cross and follow me. I've always thought that this phrase meant to humble ourselves and to follow Christ wherever that may lead us. And that's true, but Dr. Stan Saunders of Columbia Seminary gave me a little different understanding of these crucial words from Jesus that I think speak some truth to us today. He says that to take up your cross is to take up the cause of the marginalized and hurt in our midst. It means to see the face of Christ and those being wronged in our world and in our community. I think this reframing of Jesus' words are important for us to ponder in this moment we find ourselves in today as we reflect on Jesus' teachings of what our priorities, what reprioritizing our world and relationships look like. 
Friends, it's in this teaching about the difficult work of discipleship that Jesus reminds his disciples to not be afraid because our God is present and at work in the world. While we may still find ourselves afraid in this crazy, uncertain time we are living in, Christ's words remind us yet again that fear does not have ultimate power over us. Because our God cares for us like a loving parent, we know we do not need to live in fear of wherever the path of discipleship will take us in the days, weeks, and months ahead. God has numbered the hairs on our heads. God looks after all creatures, even the sparrow. So friends, may we boldly go and follow and proclaim God's love for all from the rooftops as we seek to take up our cross and follow our Savior wherever that may lead us. May it be so.